ah. that close-knit team when you're pursuing a goal like a common goal is something happens it's almost magical podcast junkies episode 122 sorry for the delay guys fans of podcast junkies junkies i've seen the updates so you know what's going on in my life if you would like a peek behind the pj curtain <laughs> then uh, look it up on facebook podcast junkies junkies so without further ado this week we have a conversation with uh chris curran and he's the host of podcast engineering school uh coming out of podfest i was able to have a a, a more in-depth conversation with him and i'm just uh really fascinated by his passion for the technology that goes into making a, a great podcast and really real uh, understanding that there was a um, a need um, for some training and for some just more content on this topic of specifically uh, engineering but with a podcast as the end goal so we have a great conversation and i know you're going to enjoy it this episode is brought to you by sure head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash sure uh, they're making a an incredibly wide array of microphones, headphones, and audio gear. They've been doing it for decades and decades, and it's a super trusted brand, and I'm happy to have them on board. This episode is also brought to you by Podbean, making uh, podcast hosting drop-dead simple for new podcasters with super simple pricing, $3 and $9 for the unlimited plan. So one of those are definitely going to be right up your alley for getting started, and so you can't use not knowing where to host as an excuse for you not to start your show. My name is Harry Duran, and I do this as often as I can, which ends up being about every week, except when there's extenuating circumstances, and that comes uh, or is is uh, broadcast to you every every other week. But I've got about seven or eight episodes in the can, guys, and I'm really excited. In case you missed the episode, last week we had a really nice conversation with uh, Marketing to Crush Your Competitors, host uh, Fabian Raphael, and uh, she's really a, a sweetie at heart, and so don't let the, the name of the podcast throw you off. Um, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. So uh, strap yourselves in, and stay tuned at the end of the show, the end of the episode for the the retention hashtag to see if you're paying attention. Chris Kern, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Thank you for having me, Harry. So you were kind enough to have me on your show earlier today, The Mystic Show, and that's one of the podcasts you produce, and the other one is The Podcast Engineering Show. So thanks for, for reconnecting with me. Absolutely. I think uh, we, we connected briefly at Podcast Movement, and, and then again for an, a longer period of time at PodFest, which, which is almost should be subtitled Love Fest because there's <laughs> so many people giving hugs at the end. And Chris Kamitzos did an amazing job uh, putting that together. And that, that last part where he put together a, a gratitude ceremony, that really blew me away. Yeah, PodFest, what an amazing feeling. Uh, it was almost like, you know, the Woodstock of podcast uh, conferences <laughs> without the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we know of. Uh, it's probably some, that we know. Yeah, it's plenty of uh, wine and, uh, and margaritas going around. Oh, there. that's true. So uh, did you make it to PodFest the year before? 
Yeah, I went the year before, which was 2016 in February, and that was my first time. And that was also very good, much smaller. Uh, it was all in one room. They had all the exhibitors in one room, mm. and the, there was only one stage with one presentation going on at a time. Uh, but it was really nice. The same good vibe. And, and, and that's, I think, what brought everybody back. I mean, that's, I think that's key. If you can get 75 or 80% of the people who go to come back the next year, think about how important that is to, to growing it. So I think that's what Chris is doing. Yeah, I, I alluded to that gratitude ceremony. It's never, nothing I've ever seen before, but essentially everyone had about a minute to come up and explain why uh, they're grateful and, and or someone they met who they're grateful for, which it was so powerful. I went up there. I was grateful for Chris because he actually ran into me in the lobby at Podcast Movement. And he said, hey, I'd really like you to to, uh, to moderate a, a panel. And that's how it started. And, and then once I knew that, that I was coming, then I saw that a lot of my friends were going to be there. And as is the case with podcasting conferences nowadays, I now have another 15 or 20 deeper relationships built and, and new guests lined up for the show as well. Awesome. So how long have you been podcasting, Chris? I basically started in 2012. I had the idea at that point. Well, I knew that at that point that I wanted to get back into audio in some way because I had been in the music business many years earlier um, making records. And then so in 2012, I or, or maybe even late 2011, I found out about podcasts and what they were. And then I listened to a few and then I was like this. And then I wanted to start my own show and you know, I started as most people do. Although very quickly, I ended up thinking that I wanted to open a local podcast studio. And so I did that in 2012, uh, probably within six months after finding out and getting into podcasting, or maybe even less. Uh, I, st I rented this little space and I got a bunch of equipment and I used to bring in local business people and record shows. And it was, it was awesome. Where's home for you now? Colorado Springs for the last year and a half. Before that, I was always in Jersey, North Jersey. So Colorado Springs is wonderful with the nature. And although it's a little windy at times, geez. <laughs> What's your, uh, how long did you grow up in Jersey? Yeah, I was there my whole life. Um, except for the, well, I spent four years in Manhattan in the early mid nineties. That's when I was working in the studios. But besides that, I've been in Jersey and, uh, my wife and I meditate, and we also love nature, and we visited Colorado, we visited Alaska, and then we came back from Alaska and, and really just looked at each other and said, why do we live in New Jersey again? Let's let's re revisit this. <laughs> and then, anyway, that started the ball rolling, and now we're in Colorado Springs. Well, I can definitely relate because we moved out to Los Angeles almost three years ago in April. Uh, it's funny, we landed in in Los Angeles on tax day. <laughs> it was April uh. 15th. So that's why I'll always remember the date. So it'll, in April 15th, it'll be three years. Uh, and it was strictly because of the weather. I think we had just been through Hurricane Sandy and a couple of polar vortexes. And I think, I, I think a, at a certain age, East Coasters uh, have this feeling like maybe enough is enough. And <laughs> they start looking for, for sunnier, for sunnier places. Definitely. And that, uh, the, it's interesting because my parents are still out there and they actually enjoy the seasons. And there's some people that I think will be happy seeing the leaves change and uh, in winter and the snow. And, and I guess it's just not for everyone, but I think some people just end up living their whole life there because obviously everyone can't move from the East Coast to the West Coast when it gets too cold. Right. <laughs> yeah, the cold country would be lopsided. 
<laughs> so how was Alaska? Alaska was breathtaking. Uh, we actually, everyone asks, oh, did you take the cruise? Well, no, we actually just flew into Anchorage and then rented a car for 10 days and drove around. And we were able to see a lot more. I'm sure the cruise is awesome too, but it just, Alaska feels a lot like unspoiled nature. I mean, there's not many people and there, it's just so big and big meaning the mountains are big. The space between the mountains are big. Like everything is just big. And we did a lot of different things. We saw a lot of different things. We walked on a glacier. We went to Denali National Park, got a glimpse of Denali, the mountain, which was, I mean, every, every, every little thing was like amazing. And it was, I mean, I think we took 2000 pictures or 2200 pictures. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. How do you, how do you manage a, a catalog of uh over 2000 pictures well i started to go through it and i just couldn't um and then i realized that 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 was the trip when i realized that when i see a good shot and i want to take a picture take one good picture because i used to take two or three oh maybe this angle's a little better this way that way and oh i can look at the three pictures later and i'll pick which one's better and i'll delete the other two yeah no you won't with 2000 pictures <laughs> It never happens and it never fails. Even now with the phones getting more and more memory, I find myself scrolling back and I, I think maybe on this phone I can go back a couple of years. But the fact that they're all sitting there is a bit disturbing for me because I want them like sitting on some sort of drive or server or in Dropbox folder somewhere. And the fact that they're in my phone, even though they are synced up, which I guess helps. But I think uh, I think that's the world we live in now where it's all going to be in the cloud somewhere. And it just lends itself to just storing more and more it's almost like digital hoarding <laughs> yeah totally and did so did you so it's funny how that changed your your habit of of how you're more efficient with your pictures um now with future trips do you find that that's something that is that something that's in you like um your personality where you're like hey this doesn't work anymore and i'd be a fool to keep doing the things the same way so now i'm going to do something different yeah that's that is part of my personality and i think especially when it comes to technical things, because I am, you know, a technical guy when it comes to gadgets and audio and that kind of thing. Definitely. I, I always, it, it's actually difficult these days to stay up with the technology. I, I always want to keep up, but, and I try my best in little ways like this with the pictures and all this. Um, but it's, it seems to be a struggle. And it's, I, I think one of the big things I'm struggling with now is I have a main production computer for you know, I produce podcasts for companies and and myself and other authors and stuff. And I have one laptop which I bought probably almost four years ago. It's actually called a desktop replacement because it is so powerful. It's like ridiculously strong. And so on that one computer, I have all my audio programs. I have everything. And of course, when you when you buy an audio program, you only get one license. You can only have it on one computer so now it's like okay it's almost four years later and it's it's still work everything's working fine but you know how laptops are like four or five years is like things can start getting a little mm -hmm, and then so so then at some point i'm gonna have to make this big switch over and then change operating systems ch well change laptops number one but change operating systems and like i in a way i'm dreading that um and, and the thing is i can't i had this plan to keep the one i have and build the other one on the side and then one day just switch. 
But again, if I only have licenses, if I have one license for a piece of software, I can only run it on one computer. And and so anyway, um, I kind of went off on a tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I this it's this idea of living mobily or not being dependent on a machine because I. I was, for a long time, I was using a laptop to to store all my my MP3s for music I like to DJ because I love electronic music. And um, I think at some point I just bit the bullet and got the Dropbox Premium, and then I synced it. So I, it took a while. I mean, I remember it taking probably we're talking gigs and gigs of data. Uh, so I just left it would run overnight, and it probably took maybe a, a week for everything to get synced up. Wow. But the beauty of it is is that uh, if anything ever happens to this laptop, I I wouldn't freak out at all because almost all I don't use any local folders. Like I even sh- save my desktop stuff to a, a shared desktop folder that's synced with with Dropbox. So I really don't freak out. I'm really eager. I, I can l- upload to the new operating system. You know, a lot of times people freak out about that. I remember back in the Windows days, I'd have to, the, to your point, the list of the programs that I'd have to make sure I, I had downloaded and I had the key for because then, then all you have to start all over again and just like, here are the 10, you know, here are the ones that I use. Inevitably, you forget one. And it was just a bear to keep track of. So I, now there's just a handful of programs that have to reside. And, and I think the editing tools are still the ones where it's still not as powerful enough for that to reside in the cloud and probably because of the local storage needed. But um, have you noticed that you have shifted to a cloud-based solution wherever possible? Definitely have. Yeah, I, I definitely have the Dropbox. What is it? One terabyte. I think it's 99 bucks a year. You get one terabyte. I have that and I back up all my raw files. I might even be close to maxing out on that. Yeah, definitely the cloud. I'm I'm trying to integrate the cloud. I also have uh, two... Well, actually, two, there's always two active um, hard drives locally that I actually plug into the computer and I back up to a physical hard drive as well as upload it to the cloud. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm on board with all that stuff and, you know, maybe I'm a little naive to trust the security of it all, but I mean, what are you going to do? Well, at some point, yeah, it's not like a fly by night company. <laughs> so I think, True. Uh, well, it's, what it's funny is uh, what happened recently is everyone was saying that the internet broke because Amazon S3 services went down. <laughs> right. And, and that's when you realize how many companies have built their, you know, their business model is is using leveraging the Amazon S3 platform, and it really like threw a wrench in a lot of companies and services that I use. I think of like Edgar um, and a couple of others that were relying on it. So I think p- companies that use a lot of storage. I don't know if you've seen it or were affected by it. Yeah, well, Cast was the Cast, the system I used to record over the internet. That was completely down. The web, well, the website like barely came up, and uh, even ZenCaster, which I went to my backup ZenCaster, I recorded a whole session zero audio at the end and locally i of course i record everything locally as a backup but that ended up being the main one um yeah the thing what i was talking about on my computer the my main production computer is like certain audio programs and like plugins and like because you have to sort of install plugins and 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 you know you can't really that none of that stuff is in the cloud yet like you know audio production suites and stuff like that like that has to be local and it has to be on a powerful computer so that those are the things that i'm a little i'm unsure of how that's going to go i mean i know it'll be fine it just just probably going to be two days of me pulling my hair out so uh i want to talk a little bit about um the genesis of podcast engineering show which came out of um 
support for Podcast Engineering School, which is uh, your business. And I wonder, like, where does that, where did that interest come from? You know, is it something that started in college because of classes you were taking, or does it go even further back um, to when you were younger, this interest in maybe this combination of music meeting technology? Yeah, so when I got into podcasting in 2012, I started producing shows for other people. And over the years, I ended up, and, and I still do it, and I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing okay. Um, however, doing production for people is, it's like an hourly thing. Like, I mean, I have to be the one to do the work, and I can only make so much per hour. And that's, you know, everyone kept telling me, ooh, you're just creating a job for yourself. That's not a business. That's, you're creating a job for yourself. And I would always say, I know. But, or and, let me at least create a job where I can make a living. Yeah. Let me get to the first level. As a starting point, yeah. Let me get. Let me create a job, start making a good living, which may or may not be six figures or more, and then, then <laughs> I'll I'll worry about how to create some bit whatever. Yeah. So, in the process of all that, I had this idea that, see, my level of audio engineering in podcasting is so much overkill it's crazy like when you're a music engineer it i mean there's so much to it so much so many little fine details and everything podcasting there's a lot too but not as much and so what i realized is and i say this every time on the podcast engineering show when i entered podcasting i realized that most podcasters don't have hardly any real audio skills and I was like, this is an opportunity for me, a guy to come in and kind of meld the two worlds of music engineering and podcast engineering. And then I, so what really inspired me to start the school, by the way, the school was a long-term vision. And of course, with the school, I'm selling my knowledge, not my time necessarily. So it's more scalable. But this, when I came out of high school, I went to one year of college and this is back in 1990. And, and I re- after, one, after about a half a year of college, I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to college anymore. I, literally, I was just done with school. I was like, I just don't want to go to school anymore. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to go to school. And then I, then, uh, I had already been you know, on a four-track recorder, you know, recording my bands and just recording and everything. And so I, I found this recording workshop in Ohio, which is a place you can go to learn music production and music engineering. And it was like an eight or 10 week course. And I was like, I'm going to go. And so I went and I went there and that's where I learned the fundamentals. I mean, for real, like you start with soldering a cable, you learn how cables work and you you, everything, you learn how mixers work, signal flow, everything. And then of course I went to Manhattan to be an intern and take out the garbage for a while (laughs) and, and learn at the studios. But what I thought was like, look, in podcasting, it's pretty much a hobbyist industry, and it always will be, hopefully. But now there's companies coming in because there's more money. And everybody, you know, podcasting is the new blogging kind of thing. Everyone's kind of getting in. And real companies with money, they want to do a podcast that's produced well. They want to pay a profession, they want to hire a professional to do their podcast. So there's more jobs available. And I just looked at the whole industry and I said, you know what? There's no school to prepare producers and engineers in podcasting. It does not exist. So I thought, I'm going to do it. I mean, I'll just do it first. And 
it's it's been difficult to set up because it's a lot of work and everything and and, and the the biggest thing is when i tell people about it they really it's it's a little hard to understand for some people cuz it doesn't exist <laughs> and i'm creating it but so the school has a long-term vision of really training people to be professionals in the podcasting world i think what's interesting is that you what what i imagine you probably deal with is finding a place where they can produce a show that really they stands out and is probably better than maybe 80% of the shows out there but it doesn't it doesn't need to go to that extra level because of the way podcasts are consumed and i know there's this argument back and forth about how low you should sample your shows and whether it should be mono and and, and it's a lot of stuff that makes audio engineers cringe i know <laughs> because i produce electronic music and we're trying to produce the highest quality possible you know we export in wave and and a lossless and we we want every pristine sound and we're panning sounds back and forth and in the podcasting world it seems like all that effort is just like not appreciated and and i think even if there is music I, I don't think we're trying to we're always cognizant of the file size because of these hosting challenges so i'm wondering how you how you just manage that those two worlds because they really are different because you know one they, they have almost two different objectives yeah well it's a great point and it's a great question i think in podcasting in general there's like a minimum threshold of sound quality like your show doesn't have to sound like you know a rihanna album or something or any album that sounds good or whatever what that was probably a horrible choice right there i don't i don't know anyway. that was actually that was actually a good choice because today's international women's day so oh <laughs> there you go so so look you're the a podcast doesn't have to sound, you know, amazing, 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 like like jaw-dropping amazing. Wow. It doesn't have to sound that. It has to just sound good enough so the listener doesn't notice how it sounds. So when you produce when you produce a podcast well, the listener just hears the message. They don't hear the audio. They don't it doesn't catch their attention that, oh my God, there's a fan on in the background or, oh, someone's phone rang. And like, as long as it can be transparent, then that's, that's the job of an audio engineer. If you do the whole product, when you talk about, you know, the file ending up as an MP3 in mono at, at a very reduced bit rate and all that, that's actually okay. If you produce the episode from the start until encoding the mp3 if you take all the steps the correct way in producing it the mp3 that you actually create will sound it'll still sound really good it'll sound good it'll sound fine especially compared to everything else so that's just a that's just a detail of podcasting that look it's mp3 and it's not big file sizes and people know that and it's okay and and we're not out for that jaw-dropping sound um stereo versus mono i always pick stereo because if you have any music, it just makes a difference. And and I don't buy into the whole file size thing that, you know, oh, people... I mean, I, mean, I know file size is, is an important issue and it, it, it does impact people and the listener. But I mean, I do an hour... For the podcast engineering show, if it's an hour session, it comes out to 55 megabytes. And that's that's just not... Too, I don't think that's too big for one episode. And, and a lot of people are now streaming episodes anyway. They're not actually yeah. downloading it to their phone. What about that bit rate? Um, I just use standard bitrate. So if it's stereo, if it's a stereo MP3, I do it at 128 kbps. And of course, the sample rate is 44.1 kilohertz. That 
that's kind of a, the standard MP3. Um, so stereo is 128 kbps. Mono, you can do 64 kbps. And those two are actually the same resolution because mono is half of the stereo. So those two will actually sound, the resolution will be the same. And they both sound good. If you, if you produce it right and encode it right, that's, that's fine. Do you have a certain type of person that comes to work with you at podcast in um, engineering school? Because I, a regular podcaster, as I'm thinking through this, you know, they come at they come to it from a passion of of wanting to deliver their message, and then the, it's almost like you you might have mentioned this or alluded to it, but the 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 sound is an afterthought. You know, they're just concerned with getting it out there. Like, I want to record my episode, I want to have my interview, I want to talk about my topic. And then I just want it out there. And by the way, I've got to probably record it into something and record it at some level so it shows up yeah. somewhere. And so uh, do you feel like the people that you work with are podcasters first? Are they audio people first? I'm curious about that. Yeah. So my original vision of podcast engineering school was to, to, tr to train podcast producers, train people who want to go into the world and make a career. And my initial pro I, I, I and I created this whole in-person training session, five days in person, and it costs a lot of money because it's professional training. It's this is real. This is you're starting a career here. And if you want the credentials and the real knowledge to start a career, you can either do it right or you can just go you watch YouTube videos and and think that you know enough and all that. Um, which and no knock on YouTube videos. YouTube videos are awesome, but that's different from professional training. So I I created this whole in-person training for producers and then I realized that I'm too early. So not enough people were interested and the the money the price was too high, you know, $5,000 plus hotel plus flight, I mean whatever. So that it's serious. So now what I did is I actually just literally yesterday or 2 days ago dropped back to doing an online online course. And that is still for producers, but pot, there's certain podcasters who are into the audio side of it. And I'm able to price it now where if there's, if there are regular podcasters who are really interested in the audio and cause some people just love it. They love equipment. They want to hook it together. They can hear sounds. They want to make it good. They want to make it sound good. And so for podcasters like that, this, my new, the new way I'm delivering it online. Um, which starts April 4th is it's a good system to do. And right now the, I brought the price down. So where it's actually doable. And so anyway, like that's my plan now and I'm going to go through with that plan, but we'll see where it ends up. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning like who the market is and who, where to, where to advertise or whatever. Like I, I actually don't know. I'm marketing is not <laughs> my strength. <laughs> you find that a lot with podcasters is that uh, they have the specialty in, in what they're doing or how they're delivering their message. And if they're storytellers, they probably come from that, that type of background or maybe a writing or journalism background and the entrepreneurs, you know, they, they've been successful in that space. So it's, it's funny how the, the, the skill sets cross, but a, a lot of times New podcasters have their hands full with so many things they have to be worried about. I'm finishing up my course uh, as well for uh, overall for entrepreneurs who are looking to start um, a podcast as an extension of their marketing. And it's so funny because I'm thinking through like all the different pieces that you really have to think about. And as a business owner, 
you know, when you're when you're a specialty and, and for your in your case, you know, it's engineering and music engineering. If, if all you could do, like you said, is have them come to you and teach you, you'd be fine. But now that you have to create a course, you have to think about okay, how do I attract people to this, and who do I want to attract? Because if you attract the wrong people, they're going to come and they're like, oh no, this is a waste of time. So we have to learn all these skill sets. We learn how to be a digital marketer. We have to learn how to be a podcaster. We have to learn how to be experts in social media. We have to learn how to write blog blog posts. We learn have to learn how to communicate into our to a new. We have to collect and start a newsletter so we can communicate them that the podcast episodes are available. We have to be active in conferences. <laughs> we have to meet people in person it's like crazy like all the things like when you think about a podcast and how to promote it and you want to get you want to get the word out and and take take advantage of opportunities to communicate your message it's it's overwhelming and i and i i can see why a lot of podcasters would pod fade because i think they didn't take into account all those all those things that need to be done yeah there i you're 100 percent right i totally agree um it, it's a lot and and that's why you like focusing on the audio like I'm doing and the way I'm teaching it, it is not for everybody and um and it's so it's it's yeah a lot of people do pod fade right a lot of people start a show and then they just they can't handle the the workload yeah and and I hope I hope as an industry or as a free market that somehow there ends up being a platform or a company or a or a or a workflow or something that actually can can streamline a lot of this stuff because it should be streamlinable. Yes, I said that word, streamlinable. <laughs> so, but but I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just partnering with people who are doing interesting things in the space and new technology companies, companies like Cast, companies like Zencaster, companies like Ringer who are trying to really bridge the gap of this technology gap that podcasters have because they just literally want to just come on, record, and and then like pray that everything's going to like work out okay, that their file's going to be there. It's really a podcaster's nightmare, right? I'm sure a lot of podcasters has, have woke up with the cold sweats <laughs> wondering if they had a good recording or even just after recording is finished. Like, oh my God, I just had the most important interview of my entire show. And, and then you come to find out that it's all garbled, so. Yeah. I think someday I might develop a program for beginners, um, but that's not my strength. I mean, I can do it, but it's not my strength. And like, I I, I do want to be specialized, right? I think, uh, anyway. It is important to be specialized. And I, and I think, you know, when we, when I have discussions with podcasters who are just getting started, I love the idea of being super niche. I love the idea about speaking to just a super narrow tribe, because what you'll find is that, they're going to be so passionate about your show. And I, I keep coming back to these unique examples that I've heard over the years. The, the Welders podcast, it's a podcast just for welders. It's such a captive audience. You know, you think about these people that are in in, in places where they, they can't move, they have to do their work, and they have to just be fixed. Um, and as long as it's not obtrusive, I, I, I imagine like listening to a podcast doesn't affect their ability to do the job. I think of people like landscapers and all these jobs where they just have to be in one place. Um, and so I, I, you, if you speak to your audience, they're going to just see you as the expert in that space and the fact that you really speak to them only. And it's not just people who are looking to do better engineering, but podcasters who are looking to do better engineering or people who want to start a podcasting service who want to do better engineering. So the deeper, you know, I always ask people, go deep, go one more level deeper and one more level deeper. And you, you never know where, just as an exercise where that might take you right 
I, I, I love that. Yeah. And, and so when I started the podcast engineering show, I, I started getting such engagement from listeners. Like I never had so many listeners start emailing me and saying, I love your show. I love Barry's voice. Cause I play these sound clips from my old, the maintenance guy in my old building. Uh, awesome. Just the deepest, awesome, most awesome voice. Anyway. Um, so the engagement was there because it was very like geeky and niche and in, in deep into audio engineering. And the other thing I just thought of this, I just joined, uh, Daniel J. Lewis has this podcaster society. It's like a community that he offers to help podcasters who have already launched their show. So they've already launched it and they're, they want to improve their show. It's a whole community and, and it's awesome. And he's actually taking on uh, experts to come in, experts in, a, in different areas to come into his community and just be there to help answer questions. So now I'm in Podcaster Society as the audio engineering expert and I get, and so people in that community get to ask questions and I'm and there and every, and Daniel's there and other experts are there. Um, that's really helpful actually, because it's so much better than a Facebook group. You know, a lot, yeah. a lot of good stuff happens on Facebook groups but of course, every day you get the question. There, there was one yesterday. I'm brand new to podcasting and I don't know anything. So can you guys give me some tips on, you know, equipment, services, microphones, whatever? I mean, just the most bland, open-ended question. And, you know, look, the guy, I saw that there was already 20 replies or 20 comments. So you do get help when you need it. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm enjoying Daniel's Podcaster Society because it's really kind of focused and, uh, and that's a niche. So I, because of my niche, I can be an expert in a certain area in his community. So it, so think about that. It, it opened that door. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel was on Podcast Junkies episode 12. That goes back to 2014. And I'm actually nice. a member of, uh, funny enough, I'm a member of Podcaster Society. God, once this gets aired, I, I, I will have to jump back in there. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a Slack group you can join. And yes. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think I had reset and I lost my, I, I had logged in and, and I've now I think I have about six Slack groups. I try to keep those, wow. uh, yeah, I try to keep those uh, to, a, to a small amount because otherwise it defeats the purpose of having a, a Slack group. But yeah, I use it for my business. Uh, I've got team, my team there, I got two virtual assistants in the Philippines and a project manager in California. And it's just amazing how you can have instantaneous conversations and it's really for one off. It, it, keeps email down to a minimum so huge proponent of slack and i love the fact that groups are using it now to sort of get us out of out of that facebook noise because it's great to have a facebook group but a, but a, unfortunately unless you've got the most the self-control of like gandhi like you're not gonna <laughs> how you're not gonna get sucked into some stupid like thread or meme and i mean I, I try to unfollow as many people who post you know stuff that is annoying or repetitive uh, I, I feel like you should really be pruning your feet on a regular basis, but it's just inevitable. And I've lost like s just this pockets of half hours of, of 30 minutes of time. And I'm like, how did that happen? Right. I literally just wanted to respond to this one Facebook message and or just jump in this group and ask a question. <laughs> yeah, I think there's tools for that. There's one called Facebook Nanny. I think that just uh, shuts off the feed. Uh, so you can just you'll have to go specifically into like uh, the page and, and you don't see anything, any other activity. Interesting. Yeah. So talk to me about uh, the bands that were influencing you at the time when you, when you, because you said you started your own, right? 
Yeah, so so in high school, I well, I think it was eighth, seventh or eighth grade. I got a drum set, and then I started playing, and um, yeah, then I got into bands. And I was back then, it was like metal and hardcore. It was like heavy stuff, fast stuff, you know, big drum kit playing the double bass, like just insane. Um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, we played shows locally. And you know, it, it, being in a band is it's this experience that uh it's hard to it's hard to talk about or it's hard to know what it means if you're not in a band or like part of a like i i also played baseball so everybody's in their groove everyone's just nailing it like literally something happens like it's like a dream world it's something something happens to your consciousness and you, you can't describe it but it's like it's perfect and it's so wonderful and that's why now i have my drum set right over there in my basement here and i i i mean i can play a little but i mean honestly if i'm not playing with a band and actually playing a, like performing a song that's somewhat meaningful it just it just doesn't have you know i don't know it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to sit down and just play drums for an hour like i used to oh it's, it's i wish i wish we could have planned it a little bit better i would have had you start the the episode <laughs> with like a drum solo or something like that ah, <laughs> i did that on uh when ray ortega had me on the podcasters round table oh, really yeah because he's he saw the drum set in the background he's like can you play that <laughs> so i did but yeah so then then i was in bands and then little later after after i came back from the city from you know working in the studios i got into a few other bands but that was more like blues rock and more tame like better musicians like like the guitar player was insane and the bass player was insane and it was you know real songs you know hardcore songs are good but like after a while it's like okay um so anyway i played in a couple blues rock bands which was fun and then that was really it uh, so, so Rare Ortega was episode tw- uh, f- 26. Um, I'm trying to do a better job of like when past guests are referenced, kind of do a quick look up. I want to give people that point so they can go back because otherwise, you know, then they're not incented to. So I think um, since all my URLs are pretty straightforward, people can go find it in case they want to hear that discussion. Uh, as far as the bands is, do, do you have a recollection of a show that just kind of stood out for you? Or, you know, I think maybe we all have this moment in time. I'm thinking about Dave Jackson's uh, keynote at PodFest where he brought out the guitar and he was talking, he was showing pictures of himself in spandex pants. So I don't know if you've ever got to the spandex pants moment, but uh, <laughs> do you have one of those like just memorable moments? Like you said, that feeling that you have when it feels like all the stars are aligned and, and you're sort of in that that having a, a moment on stage yeah i can actually remember two of them and they're very different so the first one was back in my one hardcore band when we we all lived in northern new jersey and we we had another band locally and we we would always play together we'd always play shows together so we both both of our bands were booked in uh wilkesbury pennsylvania so we drove like an hour and a half we stayed in a hotel with a bunch of people which was you can imagine how insane that was partying but um the show itself we were the fourth band out of five so there was a headliner band that was going to come on after us and we started playing um our friend's band was on third we were on fourth so we started playing and there was like i mean 
three or four hundred people in this hall. It, mm. it was, I mean, packed, and we started playing, and everybody just started moshing and going nuts, and like literally, they started breaking stuff. They broke doors, and and there was a couple fights, and literally, wow. the owner of the place had to come on stage, and he's waving his hands. Okay, that's it. He, he's grabbing my symbols. Like, stop, stop. Of course, we kept playing for another. We, you know, we tried to keep playing, but yeah. um, they actually pulled one of the plug the plug for a couple of the amps and so anyway so we had to stop and they literally that that's it canceled the show right there but when the when the crazy does that mean that the headliner didn't go on the headliner did not go on we, that was it we we created mayhem and and that was that was like one of those moments where it, everything was just crazy and you know especially if there's a crowd involved that's oh, yeah. really energized like that adds to the whole thing that multiplies it by 100 so that was interesting and fun, and of course, as a as a you know a tough hardcore band, it's it's always cool to be able to tell a story like that, right? Ooh, we closed the show, yeah, we sh- caused the riot, and everything. Street cred, um, exactly. But the other time was in one of the blues rock bands when we were playing near the Jersey Shore, and yeah, nothing really, not not as exciting of a story as the last one, but just I remember. For some reason, I was a little more relaxed when I was playing the drums that night, and and er- it just everything flowed, and 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 we actually had decent sound. Like, cause when you play live, the sound guy and the venue and the sound guy makes a big difference. Like, if you sound good, it it inspires you as a player to play better. Whereas if you sound like crap or or the people can't hear it right, it just it ruins it. So that show, everything came together, and it was it was beautiful. And of course. A lot of people, well, not that many people, maybe 50 or 75 people were there, but they, they loved it. So we got a lot of applause. It's nice to have those memories of those moments. I think um, I think sometimes we don't appreciate them as they're happening. And I think as time goes and they and you have these collections, if they still stay in, in your mind, it's, you know, that's, it helps you think about why is it, what was it about that event that, that, or that experience that made it so interesting? And I think you were articulating some of those points. It's like the fact that the sound was good, the fact that the crowd was into it, the fact that you were, you were relaxed. Um, and I think it's just important to think about where, when were the times and the places where I was like in the zone and maybe not that you can necessarily replicate it, but it's just good to know like what, what were the pieces that were all lined up? Definitely, yeah. Reflecting on our experiences is is very important. Um, that's why. Well, I, I've been last night. I watched this movie called Magnus. It was about Magnus Carlson, the world chess champion. Hmm. And I've been following him since way before he was champion. When he was, you know, fifteen years old, just absolutely destroying everyone, and he's still destroying everyone. Uh, anyway, I watched that movie, and. Um, and when when a lot of chess players when they play a game, they'll immediately after it's over they'll literally play back through it, just to to learn from it. Like you you go back through your own game, and that's how you learn from it. Because when it's when it's not in the moment, when there's not that pressure of competition, and you're just relaxed, you can reflect on your game and actually look at it and be more relaxed and actually learn from it. And that's a big part of learning in chess. Apparently, is playing through your own games and learning. And and so that's exactly what you're saying. In life, we can do the same things. We can calmly reflect on what we did and almost process it or digest it in some yeah. way. 
I, I have to, there's got to be just so many parallels between the, the band story and, and the chess story and podcasting, because I think it's this idea of thinking back, or maybe it's an episode that you listen back and you feel like everything was going well, or you feel like all your questions were flowing, or you feel like, um, you know, you just, you had the right conversation with the right person, or you delivered the right episode in terms of if you're just doing a solo show. And so I think it's important that we we do look back or, or we do take note of what is working and what's not. And, and I wonder if you, you talk about that uh, when you do work with podcasters or podcast producers and, and this idea of, of look, you know, focusing on what's working. Yeah. So I talk about this a lot with my clients who I produce shows for. And they, they sometimes ask me like, how, how am I doing? Or especially in the beginning, like a client when they're just starting the podcast they don't know anything. They're like, how do I start this, Chris? What do I say in the beginning? How do I transition from here to here? And and look, I'm not any a genius or anything, but but so I think the one distinction that in my mind is very, very important. I, I don't want to say it's more important than others, but it's it's about being natural and and ha- and bringing some energy. So I think at times new podcasters or even podcasters who have some experience you could try to be perfect or try to be scripted or try to be professional and none of that's bad but from a listener standpoint when you just when you're just be yourself and bring the energy that's what people connect with that's when they know okay this is a real person and and you know overthinking things it can kill you right it just it just destroys all the naturalness so and unfortunately, in business, in certain businesses, people, they don't think they can be themselves. They don't think they can be funny or make jokes mm. or be lighthearted and stuff. And I I think that's one of the best things about podcasting, period, is that it's people. It's real people. This isn't broadcast radio. This isn't perfection. This isn't professional the way they want you to think it's professional this is just you and it being yourself and being natural is it's just there's nothing better than that yeah and and uh, the listener can hear it i i really think that they pick up on that and maybe you know maybe some of those things are intangible but i think really i know when i listen to podcasts i can tell when the the, the hosts are, are in their elements or they're or they're speaking to a friend, and just the nature of the conversation and, and how you feel like you're just a fly in the wall, and I think that's something that uh, if you can replicate in your own show, you put listeners at ease and you don't make them feel like it's you know something awkward that they're listening to because I've I've heard other podcasts where I I just feel like bad for the host because they've put themselves into like this awkward position with their guest because you know they just asked the wrong question or it's clear that they didn't know. Uh, you know, they had someone on that was maybe cold or something like that, or or they're not, you know, they're or or the or the people who just tend to like turn on a microphone and ramble. And I'm like, where are you going with this? Because <laughs> I can't, you know, I really don't listen to t- too many of those anymore. But I I think it's, you know, just the sweet spot that, that we create when we're, we're very comfortable in what we do. And I and I think that we just we, hopefully if if we take this seriously, we just get better at it over time. That's part of the reflecting on what you've already done. So listen to your first few episodes and, and reflect and see what you could do better. And I think it actually takes some moral courage to be yourself on the mic. 
I mean, it's so funny. When I had my studio in New Jersey, at one point, my parents visited the studio. They had never come to the studio. And I, like, so I'm like, you just, you guys just get to con. I'm sorry. You guys just have to come down and see the studio, like, at least once. Yeah. So they came down, and I thought it would be funny, like, put, put them on the mic and, uh, and, and, you know, put my mom on one mic, my dad on the other mic, and me on my mic. And, and, uh, so we did that. And when my dad sat down in front of the mic, and and by the way, my dad is like just a, a light, you know, gregarious guy, talking smack, funny, you know, making, you know, making jokes. He sat down in front of the mic. <laughs> that guy clammed up like I've never seen anyone clam up just because a microphone was in front of him. And and so, you know, obviously, if you're starting a podcast, you're you've you've gone past that level of of courage. But uh, but certainly to put yourself out there it takes courage and and part of that courage is also clarity is understanding what you're doing and who you're doing it for i mean that right everyone says in podcasting you need to know who your audience is and you got to it it's just high level clarity on what are you doing and and when you know what you're doing then then it's easier to be yourself i think yeah you you're more comfortable in your own skin and uh, that 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 thing with people freezing up in front of a mic it's so interesting because a lot, i think a lot of podcasters get nervous as well when they record their first episode they almost forget that they're, it's not live they're not at a radio station <laughs> it's not being broadcast it's not a youtube i mean even uh, it's not you're not doing a facebook live uh you can literally record it and then just delete it and right. i think uh you maybe when when you said that example i always show my age and I think back of that Brady Bunch episode with Cindy Brady and they, she's singing like crazy I think all over the house and then they take her into the studio and the TV, the TV lights go on and she just totally freezes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, one I think the thing that helped me the most with hosting shows was do like actually doing a live show. So we did this show called Social Media Unscrambled me and my friend David Deutsch which we haven't done it for more than a year and we kind of want to rekindle it, but you know, podcasting, it's a lot of work. And if like, if it doesn't fit into what your business or what you're doing, it's sometimes hard to just do a whole show just as a hobby, but uh, it was a great show. We had great chemistry and, but we started out doing it live, like, you know, streaming it over the internet live. And of course I would record it and we could, you know, after we recorded, we can edit it slightly if we needed to, which we didn't really do and then put it out as a podcast. But that pressure of doing it live was actually really good for me in terms of you got to keep the show going if something weird happens you you have to you know if some technical glitch happens you got to find a way to make light of it or make a joke or just move on or switch gears quick or anything um we did it mostly by self-deprecating humor or just making fun of each other (laughs) because that's part of the chemistry too but um yeah do it was good practice. And after a while, we didn't do it live anymore because the truth is getting people to listen live is very, very difficult. You think it's hard to get podcast listeners. Try to do something live <laughs> and, get, and get people on there. Oh, my God. I think if it wasn't for the already established platform of Facebook, the, the Facebook Lives would, wouldn't get as much of an audience. But because our people are already on there and they see an alert that's popping up, you know they're really leveraging it well, and I think um, I, I I like the medium. I like being live. I do it in uh, the podcast Junkies Junkies Facebook group, which I created, 
and it's just uh it's just a way for me to go in and give a behind the scenes of what's happening and i encourage all all podcasters who have a show to sort of figure out a way to to engage with your audience and and you know it might be 20 people in there or 30 people in there but they're the ones who are really the fans and those are the ones who's who you want to know on a first name basis and you can be yourself i can i can go in there and it's live but i can mess up and i'm usually walking my dog when i do it. nice <laughs> but it's just a a bit a way to bit more personable but i i do understand that 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 uh, that ability of practicing that muscle and i think a facebook live might be an easy way to practice it so if you ever have an opportunity to go on a live show or or, or you know i know podcasters that like do like having their shows live if at least if you get on there you'll you'll be more prepared definitely yeah, that's a great tip to do, do facebook live as almost like practice <laughs> yeah that's good so I, what's also been an underlying theme for you is this idea that we've, we touched on earlier um, and we went into a, a, a bit more depth when we spoke this morning is this idea of meditation being an important part of your, your daily practice. And I'm wondering if that's something that just over time uh, you, you had a growing interest in or was there a specific event uh, that triggered uh, that as something that was important for you to dig into? Yeah, so, oh, and the deer are coming into my backyard right here. Well, there they are. That's a nice view. The deer family. <laughs> there was actually two little fawns born right like right in our backyard, like, you know, 25 feet from the sliding glass door. Wow. <laughs> uh, last, last May. But anyway, and there's a lot of deer around here. So, yeah, so when I, so I used to be... I grew up kind of like macho and tough and trying to act that way, right? Because obviously North Jersey, you have to at least have some of that <laughs> oh, yeah. to, to survive. Um, but then, like, I really... I, I mean, looking... And I'm saying this looking back at it now, right? Back then, I thought it was just normal, but... Um, yeah, I was just living my life through my 20s, and, you know, I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. You know, nothing too bad, but... Uh, and 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 just not happy and things weren't getting the, I wasn't getting the results I wanted in my life. I wasn't really earning that much money. Like just life seemed to be just nothing was going right. And, and there did come a time when I was 31 years old and it was back in 2003 when, so, well, let me also say in my twenties and up to the age of 31, I had been starting to read a lot of different books about different things about, you know, really cool things like aliens and past civilizations and space and, and uh, remote viewing and all these cool things. And then, um, then I got into Eastern religions. I read uh, Patanjali's yoga sutras. And so, so I was Taoism uh, and, and I, when I read all that stuff, like I, I really, I always have the feeling in my heart that there's so much more to life than just having a job, making money and paying your bills. And, that i mean that and that's a necessary part of life right we have to live practically we have to have we have to have a bed to sleep in and all this stuff and food to eat and clothing uh but there's so much more so but by the time i was 31 i had just i was just so frustrated in my life i really ended up i said i i give up i don't know what to do i and and i in in my heart i knew it was my fault because i know i'm creating my own results sort of thing but it was at that point when I said, look, I got to go deeper. And I, and I had always on my goals lists and everything, I had been writing meditation for at least five years before I actually tried it because somehow I knew 
that meditation is a doorway to something else. And, and okay, so I know it's a doorway to something else. So am I really going to live my whole life and never step through that doorway? That's, that doesn't seem right. So then I found, I searched on Google literally, and I found a guy near me who teaches a certain type of meditation practice. And that's it. I started that when I was 31 and that ended up being exactly what I needed. And over the first few years of practice, my life changed drastically, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking. Um, I ended up, I, I stopped eating meat, but of, of no, from not from my own will. It just happened. Like literally, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> and people, you know, because people think vegetarians are like uptight people who think, you know, preserve the animals. And I mean, I do feel that a little, but that that wasn't why I stopped eating meat. It just sort of happened. Um, which I think with a true spiritual practice, that sort of thing does happen naturally because yes. it's it's our old our old habits and our old samskara and karma being being cleaned off. So so that's how I got into it and then it, and then well, you know, once you once you're in it enough, you can't go back. <laughs> exactly. It's like a trick that the the spiritual masters play on people. It's like or 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 it's a trick that life plays on you. Once you once you go a certain way down a certain distance down a path, you just can't go back. You can't go back and play the fool anymore. So it's been an immensely important part of my life. And I also help teach meditation. And of course I host the mystic show. And, um, but yeah, now I'm now after 192 episodes of the mystic show, I, and this is, I'm just realizing this now, like literally today <laughs> is that, is that I, I, I kind of want to stop talking now Yeah, because talking and talking about my experience and what, what is effective in the spiritual realm and what might not be that effective has just gotten me into some arguments and it, it's silly to me. And, and, and I think pe- some people now are just argumentative, especially with like all this whole political thing in the U S with Donald Trump and everything. It's like, and, and everything, it's just, everything's an argument now. And, and you can't say anything without someone arguing. And, and I don't want to argue. I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not claiming I'm right. I'm not claiming I know very much except for my experience. So I think I'm I, I think I'm just going to have to step away from the conversation and just you know just live it, I think. Yeah, there's something uh there's something to be said about understanding when a podcast or anything else for that matter has has run its course. And if you feel like you've said everything on the topic or you don't feel like there's anything that's new that's being added maybe it may be an opportunity to you know that's what people are doing with seasons now but it could be just an opportunity to rebrand or to just do another show or just to your point just just stop for now until you you're motivated because if you do lose the motivation that's that's the big flag right there right you gotta gotta stop the show because that that lack of motivation that you have is going to come through and it's just right. going to feel like you're dialing it in these past few episodes, like you're trying to squeeze out a couple more episodes and yeah. you're not doing anyone's, uh, uh, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're not doing anyone any favors, especially your listeners and especially yourself. So I think that's another sort of thing for podcasters to keep in mind that, you know, nothing says that a podcast has to run forever or has to run for 10 years or 20 years. You know, I think when you feel in your heart that it's just your passion is not there, that's a that's a big sign because you don't want that translating in, in into your episodes. 
Yeah. And, and, and from our conversation this morning, I, I, I mean, I think this kind of fits in, but from our conversation this morning, I realized that in, in the spiritual realm and spiritual experience and spiritual knowledge, um, I just like talking about ideas. Like, I don't think my ideas are any better than anyone else's, but you know, however, sometimes I have questions and they have questions and there's a discussion and, and I, I never think that I'm never judging the person, right. Or, or thinking that they're doing something wrong. I never think that. Um, so in real life, I'm very open to everyone. Everyone can have their own opinion and everything. I'm just, I'm just open like that because it comes down to personal experience anyway. So, but when you, all of a sudden have a show where the show has a certain topic and as a host I have to inhabit this certain type of ego if you want to call it that right mm. because the show's about spirituality it's not about um, welding right yeah. so if someone comes on and starts talking about welding I have to step in right and say no this show's not about welding ooh that's your ego talking well yeah it is because the show's not about welding so that or it could be that about, that, that's that's could your next show spiritual welders. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Welding and unwelding. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Sorry, you're saying. Yeah. So so no, that was my one of my takeaways from our conversation this morning is that who you are on the show is different from who you are in the as a person. And that only is determined by the nature of the show. And because by being a host, you're serving the listener, right? So you can't just be like, okay, let's talk about welding today. On If it's a spiritual show, you can't say, oh, today's episode's about welding. So, and in a normal business sense, this is, this is obvious stuff. But in a spiritual way, if you, if I try to steer a spiritual conversation, people can think that, that I'm, you know what I mean? They can sort of judge me as as not taking them seriously, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's it's just subtle weirdness that I, I I don't want that, and and no one wants that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, I think well, the beauty of this show is that the only uh, qualification is that the person that comes on is a podcaster. But then once once you're on, then it's it's free reign. You know, you have free reign. We both have free reign to go anywhere we decide to go, and I think it, it's a testament to just being comfortable and, and speaking about the topics that are of interest. Because a lot of times, to your point, podcasters have a persona on the air, so to speak, and I I like the opportunities when they can sort of let their guard down and just kind of have this be a a, a sort of hangout for them or a, um, a, a safe space, you know, a safe space to just have that connection that we're all podcasters, but we, but we all commiserate with each other because we all understand what it's like to, to do a daily show and just feel like we got to put, you know, we put our, our headphones on uh, and we have these conversations. And then when they're off, we're just like, oh man, I got to go walk the dog now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, stuff totally. like that. Um, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Well, actually, well, the podcast engineering school was one of them. The whole, I really had a vision to do it in person because I know when, when students come and I'm there in person for five days, teaching them and training them. And, you know, as they're editing a podcast, I'm, I'm right over their shoulder, right? Like that interaction to me is worth so much more than money because it just builds the confidence. So I had to change my mind about that though, just because of logistics and, 
feasibility and 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 money really the 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 price of it so i had now i had to change my mind and go online which i didn't really want to do but uh anyway i i had to take that decision seriously and uh, it wasn't easy but you know it's a start so maybe someday i will do the in-person things right but maybe not this year so well i think it's an aspect of being flexible in your thought process, I mean, there was a, there must have been a point where you were hemming and hawing, and you decided to make the decision. There's people that are just so stubborn that they'll they may prolong the decision by another five years or something like that, and, and decide, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm doubling down on this. And I think with anything that we do, especially with the way things are changing and new tools are coming out and new methods of delivery and and new ways of people consuming data and just people being interested in augmented reality. Like we have to keep an open mind and, and maybe um, maybe the meditation has helped you with this. And I know for me it has. Just having an open mind and understanding that I don't have all the answers and I'm willing to see what else is in the space that I play in. And if people are doing something better than me or, or people have a, a, a unique way of looking at things, I think uh, it's important to, to be flexible and, and and look at those things. Yeah, and, and and I feel that, and I felt my intuition. Like there came a time when it was like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna have to do it online for this first one, at least. So th- just being a little detached and just kind of feeling the flow, I kind of felt at a certain point, and I think we all do in our lives, where it's just like there comes a time when you know you just got to make the decision and go. Yeah, Be- because sticking to your guns and trying to do that is way more painful <laughs> <laughs> and the end you'll, you'll eventually end up at the same place and <laughs> in one scenario you just have more scars <laughs> right what what is the one most misunderstood thing about you i think it's sometimes when i'm uh discussing ideas with people and and, and Again, I think I'm sort of referencing the Mystic Show, but when I'm sometimes talking about ideas, like I can be very like very sharp with ideas, and I can really dissect things, and I can confront issues and and details of things. And sometimes people take that as me being argumentative or me being arrogant, and I'm, I'm I don't see myself that way. Like I don't it's not about me being right. It's not about the person. It's just like, I, it's, it's like having a brothers. It's like when you're, when you grow up with brothers, like you talk it out, you fight it out and you just, it, it's okay to talk it out and fight it out. But some people, they think that talking it out and if it gets a little contentious or confrontational, all of a sudden they, they, something gets triggered and they're like, Oh, this guy's a jerk or something. And that's not the case. So, you know, sometimes my level of kind of playing and it's like literally playing with your brothers, you know, rolling around and fighting a little bit, playing and learning at the same time, right? Because that's how you learn as brothers, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. But some people take it as, oh, I'm, you know, arrogant or elitist or something. Picking a fight. Yeah, or picking a fight. Exactly, exactly. And the problem too, the problem too is that sometimes I have more not more knowledge and experience than the other person as well, yeah. and then of course they might feel defensive, and it's it's just a weird thing, and I don't like it. 
actually. We've lost the ability to have a a sensible or, or a, a calm discussion of ideas because um, we get to that point where some of these ideas are, are, are really uh, personal or volatile or, or sticky and, and I think it's an it's an, really an acquired skill to be able to have an even an argument with someone, but in a but in a polite way, and agree to disagree, and not let the other person push your buttons, and and them not you have to have two people who can handle a, a discussion of that caliber, in in a, uh, a sensible and calm manner and, and respectful, right? Because at the end of the day, we have to understand that there's some people who are so fixed in their opinions that nothing I say is going to change them no matter what i how i try to convince them and you almost have to respect that that's their decision even if you totally like disagree which is it flies in the face of everything you do there's an aspect of saying cuz they 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 probably look at you the same way like with like three heads you're like what you think that you know how, that's impossible because for for what x y and z i know that to not be true and you know it's just their their source of their facts is a little twisted and i'm sure they think the source of our facts are a little twisted so yeah it's Right. It's challenging, and it's very rare when that can happen um, in a manner that doesn't blow up. Yeah, and that's one reason. Actually, my wife and I started a nonprofit about four years ago. Uh, it just just turned four years old. Actually, it's called Pause Your Life, as in press the pause button on your life. And the whole we we have meetups in different cities. We even have one in Canada, and we we facilitate retreats and there's some meditation involved but mainly what it is is dropping your baggage like dropping your roles and your titles in life and just being a human being and stepping out just stepping away from the rat race getting off your hamster wheel and just stopping and you know it's not a religion it's not a philosophy it's nothing it's just can we just all detach <laughs> and then spend either a couple hours or a couple days together? And, and, and Harry, you know what happens when people do that. Yeah. They have the most wonderful connected time. Everybody loves each other. It's wonderful. So that's why we started that organization for that one reason, because we're not all going to agree on one religion or philosophy and this and that. But one thing we can all agree on, we're all human beings. And we are all wearing these masks of ego and our baggage and all that stuff. And below all that stuff, literally, we all want the same things. Love, food, water, and all that. You know, whatever you need. Well, of course, uh, not not at all disappointed that you're able to, to wrap up this conversation in one of the most wonderful ways possible. <laughs> mm. And uh, I love how everything just came together because at the end of the day, that really is the, the the stuff that's most important: our ability to get along with each other, our 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 capacity to increase the amount of love in this world. And uh, I think that's that's my objective with conversations like this. And and I'm really happy that uh, we reconnected and that we've had uh, the chance to have a couple really interesting conversations today. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate this conversation, Harry. I think you're doing such a great job with this show and, and you know, talking to people about behind the scenes, more, re you know, real personal things and, and, and you do it so well. So keep up the great work. And really, this has been great. Thank you. So Chris, what's, uh, what's the best place for folks to track you down? I know there's a lot of things going on, but I'll, I'll let you put it in the appropriate order. Oh yeah. I mean, podcastengineeringschool.com. Um, the mystic show.net 
pauseyourlife.org. I mean, and you could just really search for any of these two. You can find it. And uh, on Twitter, are you active on Twitter? Oh, uh, yeah. I have like too many Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, at Podcast Engineer. That's my, that's my one for Podcast Engineering School. <laughs> Okay, so so we'll make sure we get all those in the in the in the in the, in the show in the show notes. <laughs> all right, thank you. And uh, so we don't have to worry about the the long list. Yeah, like most others, I I probably have four or five myself, <laughs> and and they come they get to be a little uh, <laughs> tough to manage. But I I can definitely relate, and I think that's the that's the curse of people who are into technology and uh, they feel like they want to have separate discussions on on the topic. Right. Yeah, I get it. I don't want to mix the conversation sometimes either. So I'm like, which which feed will I <laughs> what, what will I post this comment? <laughs> totally. So okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm glad people are going to have the opportunity to uh, know you a little bit more. You said that the new um, what are you calling it? The new session for the school is going to start in April. Yep, the podcast engineering school starts April fourth. Okay, so by I think by the time this goes live it'll be around the corner or up and running already so okay all right have a fantastic day thank you harry great job my friend unless you knew chris already i don't know if you thought we were going to take it down the path of podcast engineering and the importance of a steady meditation practice which is just a bang up uh mash up <laughs> for me i love talking and, and getting both sides of the brain working so kudos to chris uh for coming on and uh, talking about that stuff, because I think it's important in, in terms of podcasting and having a balanced uh, approach and a balanced uh, method for, for tackling the ups and downs involved with putting on a show on a regular basis. I think uh, that's something we definitely always want to keep in mind. We are a member of Podcastica. Head on over to podcastica.com to see the whole bevy of shows. Uh, intro and outro produced by Cedar and Soil at cedarsoil.com. Tune in next week when we have a great conversation with the husband and wife duo of Jeanette and Alex Ruiz of Planted in Miami. We had a blast on that and we talked a lot about uh, our cultures. I think we talked about Tostones, so that might have been in the after show. <laughs> the retention hashtag, if you've made it this far, uh, we're going to focus on Chris and his uh, engineering uh, talents. So we'll do a podcast engineer, podcast engineer. Yeah. I think it's probably a tag that's been used, but, um, it's fitting. Uh, so tag him at podcast engineer, all one word and me at podcast underscore junkies. These episodes are sponsored by shore. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash shore. And uh, thanks again to them for supporting the show and for being fans of the show. And Podbean, head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies to sign up there and let them know Harry sent you. Thanks again for uh, watching me get off and get on and get off and get on again, the horse. Uh, but uh, like I said, I got a ton of episodes in the can and working with some new editing folks um, to help out, which is always a good thing. One thing I forgot to do last week is give a shout out to Andrew over at uh, Wisdom and Sound. He helped me out with uh, some editing that I needed done for 121, the episode with Fabian. So thanks to Andrew, and uh, I'm sure we'll be partnering together in the future. But uh, head on over to wisdomandsound.com to get uh, some more info on his engineering uh, support for podcasters. Talk to you next week.